0: You're listening to Legends Cast, a proud member of the Camp Legend Podcasting Network. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash camplegend. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast Season for the Starter Set. My name is Mark of the Lift and I hail from outside of Pittsburgh, PA. With me today is my legendary and ever co host, Dead Broke Nerd, and my practically professional co host for this episode, or this season, episode, span of episodes, uh, Curry. Arc. It's an arc. Uh, arc our current, arc, uh Curry, who's back in the studio with us. It's good. A Friday afternoon, back in the studio. It's beautiful outside here in western Pennsylvania. So I would like to be outside, but I'm glad to be recording with you guys. Let's kick it to DBN first. DBN, how you doing, man?
1: Yeah, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. And by pretty good, I mean I have uh had a miserable week uh (laughs) where I've been awfully sick. Um, but still had to work because I had a really big high priority, like project that like I have my name on, uh, and, uh, yeah. So finally taking a day off, uh, after getting that across the finish line and, you know, running on very little sleep, my voice is better. Uh, if you, if it sounds scratchy and like extra deep, just know it was like five times worse and Mark, Mark and, and Curry can both attest to that. So, um, we're hanging in there.
0: Yeah. I mean you can at least talk right now. Be like Yeah. Yeah. Before Early in, the in order week, to get I too, you had yeah, to have like a like a greeting. Your mouth had to be stuffed full of cough drops in order to get a word out. Like for, that was for real. It
1: was so bad. Yeah. yeah.
0: You like how I included a Pokemon reference <clears throat> in today's episode. I've learned so much over the last three weeks. Uh no, I knew about Greedent from Pokemon Unite. He's the worst. Yeah, absolutely true. Uh, <laughs> he's absolutely one of the most annoying things ever in, an, in, a, in a MOBA.
2: Uh, Curry, how are you
0: doing today, my friend?
2: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, thankfully, I had time to come and record this episode with you guys. I wasn't sure if I was going to, actually. Um, but being able to sit down and get this done, talk about some cards. I'm looking forward to it. A week outside of that not too stressful today. Just happens to be a busy day, so. which
0: means that currently Curry is logged in and muted on a work meeting, and uh, nobody in the Microsoft Teams call can figure out why he won't unmute while he's talking throughout this episode. <laughs> um, but he is present uh, at in, in two places at once right and now. And accounted for. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you know, in the in the work from home, the digital life uh, that we live in now, the post twenty twenty work workspace uh you can you guys remember seeing all of those videos during covid of a guy who would be like riding a dirt bike but he had like a green screen attached to his neck and a, like a laptop sitting on his front handlebars and it would be yep. like in a work meeting but out on a dirt bike those were actually pretty funny those oh yeah i actually really enjoyed them. <laughs> i thought they were hilarious
2: there have been some recent ones there was some either like a senator or some legislator that got busted for doing a work meeting while he was driving and the meeting was about a bill related to distracted driving oh no No (laughs) the irony
0: (laughs) got him (laughs) ouch big ouch well uh today we're gonna be talking and doing our deep dive into pokemon i think so far the first two episodes we've been pretty optimistic and taking a look and honestly i i I remember before we started recording these episodes, DBN messaged me and said, what in the heck are we talking about for four weeks? And I was like, I genuinely have no idea. Like, is there four weeks worth of content on this game in terms of a new player experience? Because it just felt like you logged in, got some decks, played those decks, now you can't do anything. And I have been pleasantly surprised by, I, I would say this, I knew that Snap was going to be great, I knew that Inscription was going to be deep. I felt like Duelist 2 was going to be intriguing because of the uniqueness of it. When we came to Pokemon, I genuinely did not. I'm not saying it's my level of enjoyment with the game. I'm not saying I'm so surprised at how much I enjoy the game. I am surprised at how intrigued I have been with the game throughout the course of this month. I feel like I've been on highs and lows with it for a month uh, almost now.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. That yeah. definitely makes sense.
0: Yeah, there's moments where it's like, I don't ever want to boot this thing up again. And then there's moments where I'm like, this is really fun. I'm really liking this. <laughs> uh, and and it feels like every couple of days it flip-flops for me, which is a very weird experience with card games. But it has been really fun. So we're going to take a bit of a deep dive. Uh, today on my stream, I did, a conver- I did a conversation where I looked at every single card that came out in Scarlet and Violet. And I basically said, which from every category, from each type of Pokemon, uh, each type of trainer, um, and there was no, like, new, there was just some holographic energies that were released in this. So there was no unique energies. Um, I did, like, what is, how many cards in this are not pack filler? So I actually have a list of how many cards, in my personal, very limited opinion, are what I would consider to be pack filler and how many cards are not pack filler. That was actually something that I was a little surprised by too, and we can get into that in this episode. But with how much we have to talk about, I really don't want to spend a ton of time um, meandering about. I'm sure you've been playing Oinkaloin, o- Oinkalon, Oinkaloin, yeah, Inkalon, Oinkalon. And, and I've been playing Leaf Eon this week uh, and Spide Ops, and I, I'm still very much enjoying that off meta deck. Uh, still really really cool and curry has sent us a snorlax deck that prevents your opponent from ever retreating and m- locks them down into a 40 minute game until they run out of cards so that might be next on my list and, and it looks like a cheap deck awful
2: make. <laughs> it, it tries to expedite it a little bit
0: oh, okay so it does it does try to mill them and i think you said on my stream today curry and i quote i like mill decks is that
2: I, I'm a sucker for it. I know in Hearthstone I loved Mill Rogue. Oh my goodness! Um, you're you're a bad worst. person. I, just, I liked yeah. Maokai and Runeterra. I don't yeah, like you're a
0: you bad anymore. person. <laughs> <laughs> you're not. <laughs> I was I did. I didn't realize that I was hanging out with a cultist or something here. Um... <laughs> <Right. laughs> Cthulhu was
1: cooler uh, than those people.
0: Oh yes, yes, oh, yep. Well, I you know
1: the Cthulhu decks. Those I was a sucker for the Cthulhu decks. Mm-hmm. Back just, in like
0: high school, oh the Cthulhu decks! I mean, come on, it's it's yeah. the best memories of Hearthstone. Am I right? Yeah, that of?
1: was the that was my favorite set. I loved all the the yeah. Old Gods and that. That was fun.
0: Honestly, I think Old Gods wasn't just my favorite set. It's like one of the spots that I would identify as the pinnacle of card gaming period for me. Yeah, um, yeah it, I mean,
1: maybe it's close uh, for at least for me. I think that was the best. Like the the pa- couple packs on either side of Whispers, uh, was maybe like the best Hearthstone's ever been and ever will be, probably. <laughs>
2: yeah, that I would don't be know. Yog really cool. was simultaneously the best and worst card. I ever loved it, man. I
1: I loved it. It got it got crazy by the end of that rotation, admittedly. But like when it first dropped, it was kind of memey and like the best ways to play it were not like like not not every class or, or faction could even play it um mm-hmm. if i remember correctly like i used to love it with hunter and just rocking all the hunter secrets and then dropping yogs and that's a good time yeah
0: i mean that's what we're talking about but i would argue that the worst guard was not Yog it was shutterwalk that came shortly oh, yeah. after that well that no that was like was... a
1: year later yeah that Ugh. was like trying yeah. to replicate the fun of Yog <laughs> with like
2: consistency it was controlled yogs yeah. made it more fun made it more fun for the user and worse for their opponent yeah yeah oh geez awful
0: um yeah, I was an I was a Nazoth player, me personally. Oh, like, yeah, and oh,
1: for okay. Priest uh and oh. Warrior could play Nazoth. Oh, that was so funny. I
2: played it in Paladin, too. Paladin. Oh, did N'zoth
1: you? Yeah, mean. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved res Priest. Like that was so fun.
2: Yeah. Okay. You can't call me a bad person and then make that statement. Yeah, but like OG <laughs> well,
1: no in our own. OG OG, <laughs> OG Res Priest was like not actually like that. It was like uh when it when you first had what was the bishop from uh from the knights, bishop of and Barnes. Yeah. yeah, and Barnes and stuff like that, dude. I, 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 I love that deck. And then the the priest of the feast. Whenever you play the spell, the it would throw a ham leg at your character. Oh man, that was so funny.
0: <laughs> Listen, man, if if you if you aren't a Mew VMAX player in Pokemon, you might have been a Resurrect Priest in Hearthstone. If you weren't that, <laughs> you might have been a Control Blue player in Magic the Gathering. All of us have some place where we have found. The the space we've to exercise, the yeah, the lawful <laughs> to chaotic evil version of ourselves inside of fair, card games. Fair, okay, fair, we've fair. we've all had that. her baby. Yeah. <laughs> what was the version of that in Tessel? I'm trying to think. That was uh, oh, probably it was Trinity. It was a bomb Scout. a bomb Scout. Yeah. Maybe yeah, or I would, or, or Telvanni Control. Telvanni Control. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yep. Yeah, that Telvanni conscription. Oh my gosh. Uh. That's a that's an absolute throwback. Yeah, um. There you go. <laughs> Well, we, we didn't want to spend a ton of time not, you know, bantering, but then we did. Um, So we're going to talk about Pokemon, <laughs> and this is going to be our episode that's really taking the deep dive and letting you know our honest opinions. I think next week what we're going to try to do is try to get together and play against one another a little bit, and then maybe try to get together and play a standard version of, like, that new format that's, uh, mm-hmm. like, the other format, and just give that a try and then have a closing conversation a round pokemon wrap it up and put a bow on it but this week we're going to gut it. So, uh <laughs> DBN let I'm going to I'm going to take the knife and I'm going to put it into your hands and let you start talking about what you like, didn't like, highs, lows, deep dive into pokemon.
1: Yeah, sure, sure, sure. You know what's crazy is um I so I, I guess I need to start with what I like and what I like is hard to pin down. And I don't mean that in such a way that like I I there's nothing I like. I don't mean that, but it's the it's the little moments of the game that I find particularly intriguing, uh, in terms of just seeing a seeing a cool play that wasn't obvious, right? And mm. saying, oh, like I could actually search for this one card, which will then actually buy me an out, you know, on this next turn. And I I was like, I play I, I've been playing. Uh and also Dondo- Dondozo and Tatsugiri, uh, which are like the fish friends, the little, the big giant whale, and then the little tiny uh, sushi fish. Yeah, they're um, on
0: my list of not pack filler. They're like...
1: Yeah, they're really ha- fun. Happy to
0: open them on my list of happy to open them cards. So
1: Yeah, that deck is really, really, really fun, and it's all single uh, prize cards, so it's like you the games are a little bit longer, which is that we'll get to that, but that's one of my biggest complaints is when the game is... There's no back and forth. It's just like it's over and uh, in like a couple turns. But um what I was getting at is I think that there's a lot of moments in the game that I'm like, wow, that was cool. Wow, that was fun. Mm. Um and like everything Pokemon, you know, and like we talked about with duelist, it's the inverse duelist effect. I I'm giving this game so much more grace than I would anything else because it's Pokemon and I love Pokemon and it's satisfying to put down certain Pokemon that I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. And the artwork's really cool. Um, and you know, when I, when I put down Dondozo and Tetsugiri, it's like, it feels like what it, it's like to play Dondozo and Tetsugiri and Scarlet Violet or whatever, you know? So it's like, that's really neat. Um, and there is some sort of visceral satisfaction with like, um, searching your deck for things and thinning your deck and tutoring and doing all of these crazy, you know, high, you know action rate uh you know things in a turn and spending 5 minutes setting up this perfect wombo combo there is satisfaction in that but as i dive into my uh critiques of the game understand that that is not the kind of game that i overall really like to play um sure. and i've got a few few you know sort of points here and and curry and i have kind of uh you know talked about some of them i think curry disagrees with one or two of them and i'm really interested to get into that um so let me pull up my list here i'm trying to find my oh yeah so i have three sort of big critiques of the general game mechanics and these are like i try not to get overly specific um uh, although i'm sure we will at some point but these are like larger issues i have with the um the game design as a whole especially in contrast to what is out there on the market competing with it right and that's maybe the thing you have to keep in mind this game, similar to um you know, Magic the Gathering, and and before that, Legend of the Five Rings, uh, well, actually, Legend was after Magic, but Legend of the Five Rings is currently dead, but it went like twenty plus years, right? Those games, as much as we love them and we think of them fondly, they they have been um Improved on the market God. for so long that there's a lot of functions within them that are existing there, I believe, only for tradition's sake. Mm. And some of those, I think, that I want to sort of start talking about is certain components of these cards, like weaknesses and resistances. Um, You know, the way that they do energies and retreat costs. These concepts, I think, are in the game... Because when the game came out at first, it was, you know, not going to say it was a magic clone, but it was very similar to magic. in the idea that you had to run all these energies, the energies fuel your cards, just like lands, fuel your cards and magic. Um, and it was a different way of it was it was, you know, unique at that point in time in the 90s. Right. And now we've evolved to see other forms of games find ways to do resource systems, especially in the digital realm that don't rely on an actual physical card. Um, It started with Versus System when that came out in like the, I want to say like like either the late 90s, like 99, or like early 2000s, like 2000 through 2003, somewhere in there, Versus System came out. And Versus System did an interesting thing whereby, similar to Hearthstone, you have a scaling mana per turn system, but to represent that because it was all physical cards, you would take um, your spells slash trainers um, and you mm-hmm. could put them down in front of you and you could flip them uh, and they, they would be put down like a mana crystal, but you could play them from your what's called your resource row. And uniquely, they had a whole branch of, of cards called locations, which you could only flip if it was placed as a resource. But the, the downside to playing them as those resources, they wouldn't go to the grave. So if you had a card that pulled a platos back from the grave, but you'd put it in your resource row. Well, you know, you, you had it, to yeah. put something down. And if you put a character card down in your resource row, well, you couldn't bring it into play unless it had the keyword that let you do that. And so they found a ways to make it such that, you know, these cards like energies and lands were not like, you know, either dead. Uh, if you have too many of them or, um, you know, your other cards, you, couldn't because you don't have them or your other cards are useless because you don't have them right now. Here's the thing. Pokemon has done a lot. And my biggest complaint, the reason why I never revisited Pokemon is because I knew that that was a thing growing up. I have a lot of issues with magic for the same reason. So I never came back to Pokemon because I was like, it's got an energy system that I think is outdated and flawed. And I don't want to dive dive into it. Now, what I was surprised about, the energies are not as big of a problem. But that's because they've sort of backdoored a solution uh, in terms of making... Pokemon's abilities and making trainers such that they solve for the energy problem by tutoring energy out, cheating energy out, um, which in a turn I find creates some of the most unbalanced decks. The decks that can bring out two, three, four energy a turn are the ones that rise to the top of the format. So I guess starting off, or maybe our discussion, we can maybe look at weaknesses, resistances, and retreat costs in a minute, although I think retreat costs is uniquely tied to this discussion of energy, right? Mm. I My claim here is that I think the energy system at this point compared to other examples of resource systems is flawed and outdated. And I, I, they've solved for it so that you don't brick super often, like sometimes you do in Magic, but I still think it's an issue. And I still think it's
0: definitely inelegant hmm. uh, yeah I, i'll jump in on that because one of my critiques isn't around the energy system um but it's uh, on like how insane turns can become because of the amount of tutoring and drawing that you can do on a turn and those turns can just become very 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 long uh, it, it actually got to the point where if i queue against vmax mu or mirada and ex i almost just surrender. Because I, it isn't the fact that I don't think there's a chance that I could beat them. I think there is a chance that I could right? Even with my off meta list, sometimes I can still beat them. Um, even though it's so interesting because I've dealt so much with retreat costs because Spide Ops is, you know, basically dealing with retreat cost, and both Mew for whatever reason, psychic and electric Pokemon in this game just have really low retreat costs. Whereas like fighting and, uh, fire specifically have really high retreat costs. And so to steal, and I just don't under, I would love to have some conversation around that because it doesn't seem to have any sort of real mechanical reason outside of types are heavy. So types cannot move back quickly. Um, um electricity is fast so it is easy to send back to a pokeball um but i i so we could well we can kind of get into that but yes i think one of the problems for me has been i, I actually do enjoy what you're talking about dvn those micro moments where you found that you made it work right you put the pieces together of the puzzle, puzzle and it's yep. it's really rewarding like you figured out how to because you tutor so much in this game like And that is very unlike any other card game, right? There's a reason why Diabolic Tutor in Magic the Gathering, two mana, look for any card in your deck, is restricted in every format and is very, very strong in almost all of them, right? Because it's a tutor and there's not many. It's why Vampiric Tutor, extremely strong inside of Magic the Gathering or was for years anyway. I don't know what it's like right now. And so the fact that there are tons of items that tutor, Pokemon that tutor, Um, trainers and supporters that tutor um, is just like it it, they are overcoming the energy issue right but it makes turns sometimes specific decks very very long it might make games quicker but it makes turns long and sometimes I'm just like I just don't want to watch you draw 20 cards I'll just surrender and queue up again into somebody who isn't going to draw 20 cards and take a 15 minute turn. I'm just not interested in it. And I know that's exaggerated. It's not actually a 15 minute turn, but on my side, it does feel like that sometimes. And I think, you know, there's nothing more disheartening than you see them play out all of their cards and then play a, a professor's instinct or whatever it is and draw seven new cards and start all over again. And you're like, oh my gosh, okay. Well, they're not ending their turn anytime soon. And I think that is uh, a little difficult for me. Curry, I'd love to have some insight from you though. As someone who's played the game for a long time, you've probably seen it evolve from slow pace. You'll evolve a Pokemon every turn to cheating evolves, cheating draw, cheating energy, cheating summons, everything around that to just really increase the pace of the game in turn of ending it quickly and working around that energy issue?
2: Um, I think, actually, energy acceleration has always kind of been a big part of the game. You have used to have things where, if you went all the way back to even the very first base set of the game, you know, there was a Blastoise card that could rain dance and put down as much water energy as you wanted to on your water Pokemon. You had Venusaur that let you move your grass energies around however you want to. So I think... It, the and part of the reason for that is that unlike games where you have a mana system when you commit an energy you're committing it to a specific card and it's gone from the rest of your cards for the most part like if you attach a basic energy to your miradon unless you have some other external effect to move it it's there and whereas if you you know take a turn in magic or you know, any other mana base game, you tap your mana for that turn to activate your three cost card, that three mana is gone. Okay, I can't commit that resource this turn, but next turn you get it back to do it all over again. And so it was just a different way of approaching things. But I think the game has accelerated to a point where, I mean, you have cards like these V maxes that are worth three prizes. There are tool cards that let you turn those V maxes into a four prize swing. And when you only have to knock out two guys to win a game, I think that it makes the game much less back and forth, and it just looks like who can kill the other guy's big thing first. Mm. And it makes it much more difficult to strategically play around something. And when you make these power-crept VMAX cards, the poster child of a set, like the Mew VMAX as an example, that deck is so ridiculously efficient, and you know it's hard to not call it overtuned, to the point that they've had to print direct answers because it is a physical card game. They've had to print direct answers to say, okay, this card is being printed because we want people to stop playing Mew. And even that hasn't been totally effective.
0: Um, so we're gonna like silver bullet cards in this case, which is, I think, yeah. one of the issues linking, which I think we could get into, Curry, is the fact that this game is linked to a physical card game, which is unlike almost any other digital card game that we're going to review outside of magic or MTG arena at some point, this, this deck has limitations on some of the changes and adjustments it can make because of the physical cards that are in print. You can't just go out and retroactively change those, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that would be great if you could adjust the HP values or the, you know, attack damage values on various cards, maybe even adjusting energy costs on attacks to, bring things in or out of the meta instead they have to look forward and plan okay well we want Reggie Lucky Vmax to be good let's print pl- let's print a really good basic electric attacker and some new energy acceleration to go with it and so this card that you know would look like it could be powerful they have to add potential for it down the line rather than adjusting existing cards and that's when you end up with antiquated things that okay all these electric attackers that were released within the past 2 years are terrible mm. in comparison to this brand new shiny thing that just got released. And you end up with a lot of things. Well, it's like, like great. I, I really like Rotom. Rotom was my favorite Pokemon. So, okay. He's a basic electric type. So he's really good with Regieleki because he could power it up, but I could do this more efficient thing with Maraidon or Raikou or, you know, and there are several examples, I think that go into this deck that are just able to blow things up. And it's all about hitting these magic numbers because it depends on what you're sitting across from. Mm. Um, As far as going to retreat costs, I think at first it was tied somewhat to how fast the Pokemon are in the video games.
0: Mm.
2: I don't know if that's always the case anymore. So it is kind of just a general trend. Like your electric types are going to be fast. Your psychic and ghost types are typically pretty fast. Your rock, steel, ground. Like you, you look at, I don't know, Golem, Hippowdon. These are some big chonky boys. They're not going to retreat for free, Mark. Well, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I... Well, except I, for I, the yeah. fact that in the video game, you can
1: retreat any Pokemon as your turn. Okay, well, you know what I mean? And so it's like, I think that that's...
2: That, I, think paying, I think paying an energy cost is much better than saying, okay, I want to retreat. My turn is over. In In lieu of attacking, or taking
0: an ability that would otherwise end your turn, I don't see the problem in that. Right. So, so you're saying what you're saying, DBN, is in I have the choice on my turn yeah. to either make an attack or retreat. And if I play a, a a switch or something, this is like a trainer card that I've used that will allow me to retreat and still make an attack in that. Turn.
1: Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like I, I just feel like the the system, especially because you have all of this you know and again i think i think at the end of the day what we what we're coming down to is we're making excuses for a flawed resource system whereby so like i i hear what you're saying about like um you know attaching the difference between attaching energies to pokemon versus like lands that you tap and you get back in return i think that that is an interesting component on In terms of like connecting to the Pokemon lore, because it's effectively saying I'm taking time to train this Pokemon. I think that's Mm -hmm. that's perfectly fine. My issue comes down to the fact that you are not able to attach anything as an energy. I personally can envision a. I'm not saying you could add it to the game today. I'm, but I'm saying like you know if you reworked the game and you said, okay, we're gonna wipe the game, we're gonna do a new reworked version of the game uh, starting with this set. Where you could take a given card, turn it upside down, and equip it, and it's going to be the value of whatever. Let's say a Charmander counts for a fire energy or something like that.
0: Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think it's interesting to continue that conversation in you and I, can't Curry. But I think that um, I, I was thinking through like what does retreat cost look like because it has seemed to be almost random. Right, so I'm looking at Regi V Vmax, right? And I don't see a lot of differences between Regieleki V Vmax in any other Vmax Pokemon, right? In terms of power level, has over 300 health, has pretty strong attacks, has a very good ability, it's good in the back lane, it's not bad in the front. It's a good Vmax period, right? And mm-hmm. then you compare that to other Pokemon, let's say that are also a Vmax. And let's just say I've been playing this a lot. Leafeon Vmax, for example. Right, Leafy Vmax has two pretty strong attacks. Doesn't have an ability, but that's kind of okay because its V version does. Um, it and it it has over three hundred health. Right, it's comparable right. in many ways, even though they want to do different things. But Reggie Lucky costs zero to retreat, and Leafy V costs two to retreat. And it's like I don't understand the comp. Like I see other Pokemon of the same type and the same relative power level um, that costs about, but they have different retreat costs. And I'm like, I can't figure out why. Like, and maybe that's just stupidity on my part. Maybe, maybe there's something that I'm missing, but I've just struggled to figure out like, why? Why is there a difference in retreat cost? Why isn't well, there the DBN, your suggestion's good, or or a standardized version of it, right? That I, just says to retreat anything costs an energy or discarding two cards from your hand or something like that.
1: I think the issue I have too is that they want, by, by putting the retreat costs in, they're allowing you to basically do what you could do with a switch anyways, which is retreat, bring someone else up, and attack. The problem is, of course, you can only play one energy per turn, so the mechanic is, of course, inherently favoring decks that can cheat energy which thus again continues to warp the uh the power of certain mechanics around cheating energy out right and so if you cheat energy out uh, you're already getting a leg up in terms of like resource acceleration towards getting your big attacks online and more than that you're also able to have increased mobility and agility in terms of like okay I see I need to switch this thing back because let's say I had to put a I had to put a backliner in my front row be- at the beginning of the game, because it was the only basic Pokemon mm-hmm. I had in my hand, right, and I need to figure out a way to get it to the back so that I can bring forward my clone or whatever, right, or to protect my, or to protect my Greedent and put my Greedent in the back, so or not Greedent, uh, Squovet. so that my Squovit can do silly degenerate uh, card drawing shenanigans, right, um, love it, but um, you know you're you're basically continuing to to give the advantage to the the decks that can uh, manipulate the resource system. Um, and it's continuing to stack the deck in their favor which inevitably is going to end up with these super highly accelerated turns and I just think it's a balancing and design flaw that like it seems like by standardizing some of these mechanics you won't be able to have uh, you'll be able to have more counterplay against these things which actually you know starts bleeding into another uh, issue that you know Curry you yourself have sort of brought up with us as being a potential like concern is obviously there's a Lack of interaction now, not just because you can't play anything on your opponent's turn, like a like a counter spell or you know something in um you know an interrupt or anything that you might get like in Rotera or Magic or whatever. Um, there's no way to stop your opponent doing what they're doing on their turn. Which, good God, thank goodness, because it, the, the if they're playing 17 cards in a turn, if it asked you, do you want to counter this <laughs> like 17 times, that would be the worst, right? Um, but at the same time. You also have the fact that unlike other games that are like, um, you know, where you you do everything and then your opponent does everything, like Hearthstone or Elder Scrolls Legends, you can't pick apart their board in whatever you know order you want. Unless you have a special card that manipulates their backline, you can only touch the active Pokemon anyway. So it adds an extra layer, which I think obviously is initially intended to have, you know, you can have your your resource generation or your utility cards in the back line. The problem is, is that unless there is mechanics that are inherently in place that are both viable uh, and efficient, the best way to combat anything is just who's got the bigger stick and can bonk the other big Pokemon in the head first because, you know, you've expressed that there's some, what's called, I guess, snipe strategies, but if they're yeah, not with the, strong... They used to exist. If they're not strong or efficient, then you might as well not be playing them at the rate that another big bonking card, you know, uh, can be efficient. And so it's like, there's a huge issue that I have when it comes to the fact that I basically have to, not play rock, paper, scissors, but like, you know, sit there and I build my Megatron and they build their Megatron and we hope that we build ours first. Um and I just don't love that there's very little ways to interact with what your opponent is doing.
0: Hmm. Curry, you want to speak to that a little bit and then I, I do want to move us on and talk a little bit about weaknesses uh in the weaknesses and in resistances and stuff in the game.
2: I think that part of that is a result of a lot of very powerful cards that would let you potentially do some other things with your opponent, you know, not existing at the moment like a, as an example, like last format there was something like marnie that you could play to try to disrupt if your opponent was trying to stack things in their hand to be prepared for something for their follow-up turn in a response to what you're doing and there's a card coming out of the next set that does something very similar and so i think that this is this specific window in the game is something where there is a lack of availability of that like right now i think the only cards that you have to kind of disrupt your opponent's hand are roxanne and judge and one of those can only be played conditionally and the other one still gives your opponent a good number of cards to work with Mm -hmm. um but when you brought up like the snipe or other or or like um, types of spread type decks where you would hit you would use an attack and it would do as an example there was a tapu coco that for two colorless did 20 damage to your opponent's whole board and you would go for this long game where you try to plan to use that attack six seven eight times and knock out your opponent's entire board in one go And something like that just isn't viable on the scale the game is at now because you have things like V-Stars and V-Maxes that are 280, 300 plus HP. And if I'm hitting you for 20 and then you're killing me, well, I'm obviously never going to win that race. But if they scale that attack up and allow it to do 50 or 60, you're going to push out every non-EX and V-Max deck that has you know, like your EVs and Tarantulas and Mark's Spide Ops deck. If I used a, an attack that for two colorless listed 60 to Mark's whole board, well, I might just win on turn two. And so it's something where it's kind of just been pushed out as a strategy, which, I mean, it is what it is, like different strategies come and go. Unfortunately for me, that was the type of deck that I really enjoyed playing. Yeah. I think that they've also printed other ways to interact in the past. Like I know things to inhibit your opponent from playing a million item cards. There have been several Pokemon in the past that says, if I'm your active, your opponent cannot play items. Hmm. And that becomes a sort of controlling type strategy that crops up every once in a while, and it kind of comes in and out of rotation. And so everything, like with a lot of card games, things kind of come in seasons, and I don't know. I think you, you, you raised something to
1: my mind that is interesting, and I can't pinpoint exactly when Mark and I have talked about this before, but I know that we have. So, Mark, maybe you remember. But there is... An interesting conundrum when it comes to interactivity, where I feel like games that have the most agency and that have, um, you know, that I find the most appealing are the ones where interactivity is baked into general mechanics, a general rule set, as opposed to you need a card to interact Mm. with the opponent or you need a specific thing because the concern that starts happening and, and you raise some interesting points. First off, the spread decks sound really fun and I wish I could play it. I've also been like really interested in poison. I love poison mechanics in a lot of games, but you know, the fact that maybe this is something, you know, I, I wonder if maybe if poison stuck around on your bench, maybe that would make it a little bit more compelling. You know, if they, if, if, you know, and I know that's not how it works. in and the Pokemon TCG or the Pokemon mainline games where yeah, it stays poison, but it sits on your bench and doesn't, take damage while you're active is out Mm -hmm. but like what if it did you know what i mean like that could be a really interesting way to break up some of these you know um you know quick retreating these big guys that sit up front and then okay i'm just gonna send them back and then bring them back up with switch and clear the poison or whatever i don't know you you told me poison was bad so i was just bringing that up i was like well why is poison bad And it sounds like that's part of it um but uh when you don't have interaction baked into the core mechanics, you start getting into these situations where you need this silver bullet card or you need the card that is specifically teched against something else. And when you get into this right. battle where it's like, especially, especially in a game that's so heavy on searches and tutoring, you start basically going, well, I need a one-of for this type of deck and I need a one-of for that type of deck. And it yep. loses the organic nature of like i need to outplay my opponent through the base mechanics and instead i need to find the card you know that is that my opponent's kryptonite in my deck and if i don't find the kryptonite card i lose and if i do find the kryptonite card is it really that i was good or is it just that i was prepared
0: yeah it's one of those things right where games like this do i i think and, and it's the longer a game is out, the bigger the card pool is, right? The game does start becoming a little bit about, like, am I winning or losing in deck building um, before we actually got to playing the game, which I think buys in a little bit to weaknesses and resistances, because mm-hmm. um, there's certainly some of that, right? Like, really interesting. I was on stream the other day. I'm playing a grass deck, right? Everything in my deck is grass type. I, I queued into an Arcanine EX fire deck. And to be fair, I won that game. I think that my opponent misplayed horrendously, but I won that game. Um, I just got to, like, manipulate the stuff with my trainers and my bosses just perfectly and ended up, you know, he didn't get the opportunity to, to fire anything up. I could kill everything as he was putting energy on it. That being said, I felt it, it was like at a point where it's like, well, I lost this game before I started this game. And in most most scenarios where my opponent doesn't misplay and I don't draw perfectly, that is probably, it's probably a 80% loss for me, right? I probably have like a 20% chance to actually win that game, which is a, a pretty low win chance in the grand scheme of things, because it's very polarized, but it's not polarized because of the cards that are actually in my deck, it's polarized because of these resistances and weaknesses, and that has felt, felt very weird to me, like... That feels like something more than retreat cost. It's very archaic, right? It made sense at one point, but I don't... Really, it's everything that's printed in the very bottom bar of the card that I don't understand why it's there still. Um, And so, I mean, maybe you can speak a little bit more to this because you had mentioned a couple of things about, like, why you feel like, well, this deck is strong specifically because it diversifies its weaknesses or this deck is not strong because it's specifically, like... You know, fighting decks aren't good right now. Why? Because Mew and Guardi EX are very good, and which means all fighting is weak to Psychic, and so they're kind of screwed.
2: Um, So speak to that a little bit. I mean, there are some types that get a little bit of diversity, like fighting as an example. Some, because it encompasses multiple types from the video games, they'll carry over what that Pokemon would be weak to in the game. So there are some fighting types that are weak to Grass, but or Water, and then some of them are just weak to Psychic. But it depends on like when you have a pushed power card, like for the most recent set, the Maridon deck, that's become really popular. In addition to being able to power itself up to blow things up regardless of weakness, if you came in with your Gyarados EX deck, well, they don't need to put anything on their board. They just get three energies on their Maridon and they knock your Gyarados out. And it's something where, I mean, I I have to imagine that there's some level of balancing or intended balancing in the card design with the damage numbers that are allotted to these cards Mm. and what weaknesses are assigned to them when they do have the potential to have multiple options. But I know we've actually had a time in the game's history where weakness was not immediate double damage. And there were cards that would be like, okay, the, like there was a Piplup that it was weak to lightning, but it only took plus 10 and then it's evolution took plus 20. And then the big Empoleon took plus 30. And games would be a bit more of a bit like drawn out back and forth instead of okay, well, your lightning guy hit me, so I just died. Mm. And I think, in a lot of ways, that would probably be better. I think I would like to see a system where you used that for non rule box cards or non EXs, non V cards, and then the Vs and Vmaxes, I think, should retain double.
0: Oh, that's I think there should be
2: a, a there should be a drawback to using something that typically has a very powerful ability or attack.
0: Yeah, which would draw you in a little bit more. There'd be another reason, right, to draw you in to be playing decks that are non V, non V Max, non V Star, right. non EX. Although I will say this one of the things that I really like about Scarlet and Violet specifically is that EX still requires you to evolve up to it. Oh yeah.
2: Been loving um I think that's X EX versus V.
0: Yeah, EX is great. I actually really like EX. The only EX card I don't like is Maraiden. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's EX. It has to do with the fact that it has a free two-piece tutor that can tutor itself and tutor again. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. I do not like that. I think that is. I think that, honestly, out of everything that I've seen so far, I think that card is one of the poorest design cards that I've seen in Pokemon it's so in forced. my time playing.
2: Um, yeah, I think it, well, it should have had a, a line on it that said, search your deck for two basic lightning Pokemon, excluding Moridon EX. And I think then it would probably be a lot healthier. Or
0: end your turn after you do it. Like, yeah, I don't mind if
2: you tutor like for two ones. as long yeah. as your turn ends.
1: I like the ones that allow you to do something powerful, but instead of in lieu of attacking or in lieu of, you know. And this is where I wish they'd add retreating to this, where it's like, you know, let me just retreat for free, but I don't get to attack. And it makes the setup turns more interesting and dynamic, too. I don't know. Whatever. I'll get off my soapbox on that. Well, I I do think that's
0: interesting. I I think your idea is a cool idea. So I want to point out that I didn't think of it that way of like in lieu of attacking, you can retreat and then get rid of all retreat costs. But I think that it it is a cool idea in terms of a solution. That's a big brain.
2: And unfortunately, like I I know it, it wouldn't work on the online client just because the retreat costs are baked into the code but i think it'd be an interesting thing to try in a tabletop version of the game well i think and see how it actually feels
0: you know obviously you can't do it in here but the thing about a game like this right is we're talking and then let's i'm going to move on to a couple of things that i enjoyed before we're out of time um a game like this that is has been around so long and we're talking about very core fundamental mechanics of the game right energies retreat costs Weaknesses, resistances these aren 't going away, like we can talk about them we're the blue in the face, but as long as Pokemon continues to progress the way that it does they 're never going away so my my thought was like and i wanted to have, I wanted to toss this your way, Curry, because I think I know what dbN and i I have an idea about what we would do, but let's say pokemon t c g announces tomorrow that they are going to do a reboot, right, that the next yeah. set that comes out or the next wave that comes out is going to be a new game, and we're going to be restarting. You can still play all your old cards in the old format, but those cards are not going to be played in the new format. And like comic books get a reboot, the new 52 comes out, right? And we start from scratch with the new universe. These are going to get a reboot too. Would you have resistances, weaknesses, and retreat costs, specifically or even energy, in the reboot of Pokemon the TCG? Or would you update with some more potentially modern or standardized mechanics for cards? Or do you like the nuance I, of, of them there? Like, do you think it's nuanced enough that it, it actually improves the game?
2: I like weakness and resistance if they were in a state where I, I honestly think that I would prefer the weakness system that I described previously. And I wish resistance actually mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, because I like that it creates a, a balance between different types so that you could say, okay, well, I understand this set released Myrhydon. Myrhydon's really strong. He's weak to fighting. Now I want to go play a fighting deck because I want to explore that. But, oh no, I'm weak to psychic, so right currently I instantly lose to these psychic types. Well, if my weakness was only plus 30, then maybe I could live a hit and it wouldn't be as big of a deal.
0: Mm.
2: I and So I think that having the ability to influence something outside of just having damage modifiers printed on cards, I think that that is important because I think it could create a real imbalance if if a card is pushed when it gets released if it doesn't have the potential to have a counter. i I actually kind of agree here
1: so like on the weaknesses things in my mind it's like either axe it or double down on it and so in my mind like yeah make the weaknesses less impactful like a little bit less like not instead of double damage make it like i don't know plus 30 or plus 50 or whatever but inversely add resistances to every pokemon you know mm. and make it so that every pokemon has resistances and the math becomes so much less obvious all the time and instead you've got so like you you might have a pokemon that like let's say Maridon is there it's electric and you might have a a Rhyhorn or something that it's like I'm ground rock or or whatever you know like I don't I don't care about electric at all and so like mm. I'm I'm resistant to it and maybe super effective against it and then, like, okay, yeah, Rhyhorn or Rhydon or whatever is instantly, like, great against, you know, Moridon. I realize they're both Dons, and that might not have been the best example. Onyx. Uh, <laughs> that was <is> perfect. Anyways, <laughs> um, they're both dinosaur things, I guess. But um, but inversely, you could have a, a Pokemon that, like, okay, I know Maridon is really strong in the format, right? And so, like, I know that uh, my water Pokemon, uh, you know, is going to have a weakness to it. Crap. Um, but you know, maybe at the same time I can find a similar Pokemon that has a, uh, advantage against it or, or, or one half of the, of the combination. Okay. I have a Pokemon that, okay. It's, it's not, uh, it resists it, even if it doesn't do double damage to it, you know? Mm. And so you can break up the math. And and so here's the other thing about weaknesses and why I haven't loved them so much. Mm. It's because like, if you think about the whole concept of Pokemon, in the in the card games they do so much to try to like replicate the video game experience the thing about the video game experience is that like unless you're brock the gym leader you're gonna have a balanced party or a semi-balanced party but in the games you're some of these decks run like 10 pokemon you know and they're all copies of each other and so like you have no yeah. diversity, and the game has, has continued because, again, and I think predominantly because of the energy system, they've continued to, to backdoor a system where you don't brick your hand and you get these really consistent play patterns. What that has done is that it's, it's encouraged you to have no Pokemon diversity. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know and that exacerbates the issue with the weaknesses. And so it creates these highly polarized matchups where it's like, okay, I'm playing Korydon. And I think it's a really cool dino deck. Yay. And then, oh crap. Well, there's Gardevoir. I might as well just scoop. And so figuring out a way to either get rid of that really crappy polarized feeling or further encourage people to play diverse decks that have multiple layers of resistances, multiple types. That's how I would approach this.
2: And that's what I like when they release energy that they've done it several times in the past, like the most recent example I can think of is when they did the single and rapid strike cards. There's a special energy for both of those types that provides both fighting, and then one of them is also dark, one of them is also water. Mm. And so you're able to then empower either fighting or water, or in the other case, dark or fighting cards, and those will have separate weaknesses and have advantages against different types. And I think that that's one of the biggest weaknesses of the game as it stands now is that you aren't able in a lot of ways to diversify your types. I think that that's why that's one of the reasons that the lost box decks are so good is because they are able to successfully manage five plus types in a deck. I mean, granted, the comfy doesn't really count because you never attack with that, but the, you either have a way of, you have cramorant that doesn't care about energy and then you're able to incorporate whatever other attacker you want to. And suddenly you've you're able to, look at half of the type chart and hit half of them for weakness while also not having one type completely invalidate your deck. Yeah, that's really Which, which that I think is would be
1: great. really cool. And I would love to see more decks that can do that, frankly. Right.
0: Yeah, as it turns out, a lot of decks right now are really only playing two cards and then tech cards, right? Mew plays Mew VMAX and Genesect. I play Leafeon and Spite Ops. You know, um, you play... I play
1: Dondozo and Dondozo.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so like uh you know, Guardavar plays Guardavar in a, a few psychic, maybe two psychic cards, another version of Guardavar, and then uh Zykonen who it can empower, right? And a lot of decks sort of you really are like heavily focused around one or in last season that was the case too right it was uh lugia v-star um and it was like okay you're really only playing lugia v-star and then things that make it work and tech cards to prevent your weaknesses and you don't really have that many weaknesses which made that deck very good um and so i i do agree with that i want to tap on uh, the shoulder of a couple of things that i enjoy and i do like this i mean i appreciate you curry kind of saying if if we did a reset i think that weaknesses are a nuanced enough part that if it was tweaked and remodeled it's actually a good mechanic and it actually adds a layer of nuance and enjoyability to um like deck building and diversifying your deck it just right now it's not right today it's maybe isn't doing exactly what it was intended to do um but in the right no, context, no. it very likely could. And I love that idea of like dual energy types. I think that is another way to encourage, um, you know, deck. You know, why, why is it that we can only have single type energies? I mean, dual energies make a tremendous amount of sense for this game where you do like, okay, you get a fighting and fire energy. Why aren't there dual energies for doubling up every type? That could be really cool.
1: Well, and I think once again, I'm not, I'm not here to, you know, continue to rub my brilliance in everyone's face, but <laughs> uh, I think again, this is where if you have a, a a setup where you can take a Pokemon, turn it upside down and turn it into an energy of that type, right. Then you could run 20 to 30 Pokemon and have, you know, the entire Charizard line, right. Four copies of each, uh, you know, a couple torque uh, Torkoals and uh, I don't know, a, some other fire Pokemon Finnegan or, or whatever. Right. And then you can also run a secondary package of uh, grass types and you could run, um, you know, superiors or, or whatever. That's a grass type, right? That's the starter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't play that Uh, (laughs) Jen. You know, and you could run those and then, you know, you have 20 cards and they both serve as their own card, their own character that you can put on your bench or energies of that type, and then it condenses your your deck where you don't have to have, you know, a certain number of Pokemon of each type and a certain number of energy of each type. And I think that, like, again, you know, if I were to do it all over again, that's how I would do it. But I'm cool. done to, to talking about this yeah. hypothetical I- world that doesn't exist.
0: I think there are ways if they wanted to keep the mechanic of energy and they like that leveling up or training up your Pokemon that you could, I think of even like a uh, unique mechanics, like we saw inside of uh, uh, what's the spooky game that we played. Um,
1: inscription. inscription. Inscription
0: where you had two decks, right? One was basically a piece of fuel, a squirrel to fuel your oh, other yeah. cards. Yeah. And I think it, you know, what if you had a deck where you had, you know, uh, 45 cards that was your Pokemon deck And then you also chose an energy deck that went with it. And each turn you got to choose to draw off your Pokemon deck or draw off your energy deck. You know, like that way you could guarantee that I'm going to get energies. I'm not saying that is the most nuanced or the most elegant way to do it. I'm just saying if you wanted to keep the energy thing, I think there's room to explore cool ideas that go beyond just uh, pulling from the main deck. And, and I'm obviously the idea that I just came up with is just off the top of my head. and could be wrong. but Um, so let me hit a couple of things that I, I, I really have liked things I don't like. I don't love the gap between decks that are, uh, really, really strong and decks that aren't really strong. Um, I think that the gap between, um, the decks that are in a top tier, maybe Maraidon Mew and Guardi EX right now. And the decks that are not top tier is too drastic. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't feel great about that. Um, I don't love how long turns are. Weaknesses do feel outdated to me, but I I liked what you've had to say. Ghost-type hurt. No ghost-type hurts my heart as a person who loves ghost-types. That is a personal attack against me, and I don't feel validated or represented well. Um, I I actually really... (laughs) So some of the stuff I like, I actually really love and enjoyed the deck building way more than I thought I was going to. I feel like I have not only taken the shell of a Letheon deck, but I have made it my own, explored and found new cards, and I found stuff that works for ladder... That has actually been an extremely rewarding process for me. Um, and I actually like the interaction of energies as the game is now. Um, I understand the workaround for it. Um, I thought it was going to be a bigger problem than what it was for me. And I, I'm i not saying it didn't create another problem. I'm just agreeing with DBN in the fact that energy bricking hasn't been an issue in any of the decks that I've played. So that hasn't felt too bad. Um, I think the V-Star Pokemon with one-time use abilities is really awesome, and I actually really love that mechanic. I do not love the V-Star items. I think that those two plaques are bad. I don't like them. Um, I just The added tutor or whatever I don't think is particularly great um, for the game, in my opinion. I've used it in almost every deck that I've played, but I don't love it. Um, but I thought that the V-Star, I loved. V-Max, I don't love as much. It's just bigger, chunkier, bigger, bigger, bigger.
2: Um Yeah, not a fan.
0: What would you not a fan? No. Do you like V Star and like the one one time of game ability um, usage?
2: Yes, because I l- I also like the fact that all of the V Star, I mean V Maxes are evolutions as well, but it's literally just bigger and I have more attacks. I think the V Star's like you said with either the V Star powers or the V Star attacks, it's either a conditional thing or Because you can only use it one time a game, you actually have a decision point in your game of when you want to use it and what it's for, Mm -hmm. and that creates like there's some skill expression in that decision. And I think that that's awesome. That's great for the game. And it I also like that it's an evolution, and instead of just having like Genesect EX is one of the most egregious cards that they've ever printed in this game, and it should not exist. Yes, Um, I agree with that. I I agree with that. If that was, if it was on an evolution. Like if that was on a Vmax and it had that ability, then I think it would be more tolerable. Honestly, hmm. like if I had to now include eight cards in my deck for this to work, and I had to then draw into it, let's it sit on my bench for a turn, then evolve it, you know, it wouldn't be as bad. So I think, I mean, I don't. I the other thing I don't like about Vmax is that I just I, I wish the game, was. I mean, you know, this is like a back in my day boomer sort of scenario. But back in my day, we played decks that were primarily one prize attackers and you would have a couple of ex cards. So your opponent is still probably knocking out five or six in some rare instances, four of your Pokemon to win a game. And I feel like most games you play in modern Pokemon, you knock out anywhere from two to three to th- two to three, and very rarely four. So it's just been pushed up and been accelerated to the point that you can't really play slower strategies now. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of unfortunate because I think, the, you know, the longer a game goes, the more opportunity somebody has to flip it, prove that they've. Yeah, well, it's, you have a better opportunity to prove that you know what you're doing or it creates an opportunity for you to make an error. And then suddenly you've, you've reached a scenario that you can learn something new and improve yourself in the game from that position. Yeah,
1: yeah my, my, my problem with some of those top decks, especially the ones that have like a million actions in their first turn it's in we i think i told you this told this to you curry but mark would know some of the problems it, with um uh in tessel where there was a really strong combo deck it was actually very low skill because you could just run a like a, you just pl- go off of a script you literally somebody typed up on reddit here's how to play abomination scout step by step follow these steps and you'll win like 70%, 70 to 80% of your games. Yep. And uh you y- you don't have to be good at the game, you don't have to be nuanced, you don't have to look at decision trees. You just follow the script. And I'm not saying it's that bad, but like for some of these decks like Mew v- or v- Mew Mew ah, Mew Vmax I guess it is. Uh yeah, it's gross because and I played it and played against it plenty and and I think uh Don feels a little like that at times, too. where It's like, follow the script, absolutely. and by the end of, if you follow the script, by the end of turn one or turn two, you'll have a character that attacks for several hundred damage, and just keep pressing that.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And I'll say this, too. The last thing I'd say is I actually really like the trainer cards. I think trainer cards are Really great in the game. And I love that you can only play one supporter a turn. I think that limitation is super cool. I, lo- I love that. And I love that you have to be really selective with how many you put in your deck because of that. Agreed. You also have to be really selective about which one you want to play. I- I've gotten into a lot of situations where it's like I really want a hand of seven new cards. But I don't actually want to discard this other trainer card in my hand. I yeah. really want to play this one first. And I-, I've- I found that to be really cool. The flip side of that is I do not love that you can play unlimited items. I wish you had a limit on how many items you could play in a round. I wish you could play three or five items in a round. I think three would probably be the sweet spot for me. I think sometimes the turns that have extended really, really far aren't actually because they've played a ton of Pokemon or a ton of energy, triggered a ton of abilities. It's because they've had a bajillion items. (laughs) Um, and they've just played item, 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 item. And I would love to see there be a limit on the number of items that you're able to play in a singular round. Um, and then, you know, put a little tracker on the, on the board for it. And I think that that would make items feel a little bit more, um, you'd have to be more selective in them. And I think you would have to be more careful with which ones you play in a given turn. And I think that would create more opportunity for both interaction and decision-making that, doesn't really exist right now like right now the only decisions that you're really making is what card am i going to disc? what cards am i going to discard with ultra ball other than that you just play all your items
1: i'm sure that this has broken the game from time to time so i i'm well aware that curry will probably come in and immediately say yeah we tried that it sucked but here's the thing i also kind of wish that there were cards more cards that disrupted the math um on you know the opponents, uh, or the character, the Pokemon attacking back and forth more things like choice band or whatever it's called choice. I, it...
2: yeah, I think it's true. Well, this one might be choice. I think belt. There has choice been a choice belt. band yeah. in the past that okay. did literally the same thing.
1: Yeah. More things like choice belt, more, th- maybe like X attacks or, or, or X special attacks or more things that, or, or, or like the full face, uh, guard or whatever. Like yeah. I would love to see more like that. Not just, um, Maybe not just tools, but also like a, yeah, like a, a battle item, like X attack that you could use. And hey, you know, my Dundozo is hitting for 200 because I have all four Tatsugiris in the discard pile, but my opponent has a 220. I wish I had the option to include more things that I could fish for, more things that I could use to get over the uh, the top and knock that thing off in one blow which i feel like and this is maybe a simple logical conclusion to jump to and maybe it's not true but i feel like that might actually help the problem of all of these OP, you know super powered v star v max characters just once they're set up they're they're trucking you for 300 a turn and it takes you two or three even hits to clear them which the momentum completely swings into your opponent's favor because You're having to build up these other characters on your bench across multiple turns to clear this one Arceus or one, you know, um, Muridon thing or or Lecky or whatever it is. So.
2: And the the one potential issue with that, and I mean, that kind of exists now. So like the Fusion Strike stuff has power tap. It does. It's a single time use. You get plus 30 damage, but it's only for Fusion Strike Pokemon. The problem is it doesn't also say non-rule like if it's a non-rule box i think it'd be great i think that you give access to that to the otherwise powerful cards that it just it doesn't solve the problem it just kind of it almost exacerbates it honestly Mm -hmm.
1: do you you feel like that's the issue because like when you're like when you have a pokemon that's hitting for you know 220 or 250 at a certain point Mm -hmm. it's gonna one tap almost everything right and so like is the the ability to run those? Let's say there was an X attack card that did give plus twenty attack for the turn. Do you find like that would actually be necessary for those Pokemon to run? Altern like compared to single uh, stage or single prize attackers like Houndstone or Dondozo or whatever um, that otherwise need to find a way to break into that two hundred plus to threshold.
2: I think with the game where it is right now, the answer is yes, just because you're trying to reach for VMAX numbers. right? And so if you can set up, you know, if even currently non-viable V Pokemon, a lot of them do, the 210, 220 range. Mm-hmm. If I could then take, you know, X Pokemon that does 220, but has no other steroids currently available, and I play four X attacks and put a choice belt down and I can kill your MUV maximum hit, which has never been possible before. Yeah, it could create an increased variety of cards that are viable, but I don't think it brings it down to... I mean, I think the thing that a lot of us could agree on is that we wish that single prize decks were more viable. Yeah. Yes. Because it seems like it's much more fun if you, because you get you get to play the game longer. It goes back and forth more. It's more resource management. It's more decision-making, and you feel like you have more agency over the course of a longer game but you can't, I mean, I guess you could always go ahead and just print items that say non rule box Pokemon or, um, well, I, I, I would love, you could give it some kind of qualifier. No, I think, but it could could be, it could be successful because it's still, it's still a balancing thing. Like you're taking four slots out of your deck. You have to find the card. I think the thing that I've enjoyed in the game in the past that I would like to see more of, like there's a little bit of it now with, like the current combo that I can think of is the Squavit and Yes. where you're taking mm-hmm. up two of your bench slots for a consistency engine that doesn't directly bring energy onto your board or anything. It just gives you more options for cards. And we've had things like that in the past. You know, There's a Claydol back in the day that lets you put two cards from your hand on the bottom of your deck, and then you would draw until you had six cards. It's a very powerful card. It was run in almost every single deck, but it you never attacked the Claydol. So you're taking up four slots of your deck, for this card that just sits on your bench the whole game, takes up a bench slot and is a potential target for either a snipe attack or some sort of gust effect to bring it up and kill it. And then all of a sudden you don't have access to that anymore. Your deck is probably, is inherently less consistent. You didn't have as powerful a draw in supporter form at the time. And everything was more board and Pokemon focused. And I think that personally I like the game more in that state where hmm. I'm not just getting out a bunch of attackers and then playing my supporters to draw all my cards and then powering them all up.
0: Yeah, that creates a play. lot more board interaction. If you have right. cards that can snipe and gust stuff and every deck has to be able to run backline pokemon that enable their strategy versus just run a whole bunch of frontliners um and then all of the rest of your cards just draw and seek and find all the things that you need. That that actually sounds very interesting. That that state of the game.
1: Yeah, and I I'd say this too. I would love to see I don't love boss's orders, but I acknowledge that boss's orders is a necessity. It it is absolutely a necessity, but I don't like that it's a necessity. And I would love to instead, yeah, see those spread damages, snipes, uh, or, 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 or more Pokemon that would have additional effects like a gust that would do, you know, 50 damage and your opponent has to switch. You know, and see yeah. those be the primary movers and shakers of messing up your opponent's retreating ability and ability to to manage their board and keep their backline engines on the backline. Um, and if, if the game existed in that state, I think I would be a, a, a lot more excited about it uh, compared yeah. to where it is right now.
0: But I like some of those ideas. Like, I mean, think of this. Think of Electric Generator. If it said, look at the top five cards and attach up to two basic electric to benched electric Pokemon that are not V, VMAX, V-Star, or EX. Like, if it was non-Rollbox, then it this would be a really powerful card for electric decks that want to run single prize card cards, right? That'd and it would be cool... Exciting. It'd be cool to see items that are like, hey, if you're playing V, VMAX, EX, whatever, you can, feel feel free. Um, but the most powerful cards to enable strategies in, some, in, in many cases are going to be limited. You're not going to have access to a lot of the cards that are really powerful um, in terms of items. And a lot of the item cards go not towards equipping your VV max, whatever, but they actually go towards equipping your single tart, your single prize Pokemon. And I think that could be a really interesting thought. Um, I want to go over real quickly. I did go through all the cards today. And out of the 165 Pokemon that were released in Scarlet and Violet, I found 64 of them, in my opinion, to not be pack filler. They were either good cards or niche and could be fun to build around, right? I can consider like Bloom in the set to be one of those cards that's like, this isn't great, but it would be interesting to build around because it's a single prize Pokemon and it does a cool thing and can snipe back lines right um so that means there in my opinion there was 101 pokemon in backfiller pack filler in this set um maybe i'm wrong about that i probably am i don't think i'm super wrong about that if i'm if anything i was a little too generous maybe uh and but honestly 64 were more than i thought there was going to be
2: um in one, one note though yes Mark. I I don't think the total set number also includes alternate arts of cards. So I'm not sure what the oh. number of cards is if you remove those. Okay,
0: so I just went in and I just searched, I could be wrong about that. I just searched for uh show me all cards from Scarlet and Violet. And right. when it came up with Pokemon, it came up with uh a hundred and a hundred and sixty-five different ones to pick from. So and I think Maybe that when they
1: filter that. though, like I don't think it comes up with that number. I think that you filter by alt arts
0: by scrolling
1: through them, right?
0: Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. Okay. And then there is 32 trainer cards and I found 17 of them to be good. Like you would be happy to open up this trainer card in a pack. Um, seven items, five trainers, two stadiums, three tools, 15 out of the 32 or 17 out of the 32 are good. Leaving 15 as pack filler. That's not too bad. Um as the breakdown, I found nine grass to be good, six fire to be good, which was pretty good because there's very few fire, six water, which was pretty bad, nine electric, but those are very good. Um, Ten psychic. There's actually a lot of Pokemon in the psychic category. Five fighting. Um, If you wanted to play poison and try to run Toxicroak EX, which I know it's not good, but if you were trying to... um actually they're almost all viable i, I think i had like 11 out of 12 um two in steel there's not many steel and not in six in neutral um so just you know quick little breakdown of as i went through it what i found to be viable i was actually pleasantly surprised by that number i felt like there was actually more cards that i didn't realize existed and i kind of liked that actually did things that i didn't expect um in a world where everything is vv v, max eex whatever um Maybe not as many are viable as I'd like to think they are. But I did see a lot of cards like, "Oh, that'd be kind of fun to build around. Ooh, I'd like to build around that. Um, I didn't expect to have that experience as much as I did. So that was good. I I felt like that for me anyway, I felt like it was there was more in there to explore than I thought there was going to be to explore. I really felt like this was going to release and I would go through this and be like, oh, yeah, Maridon and God of Guardivore and uh for me personally, Spide Ops. There's three cards, congratulations. Um, an electric generator. There was more than I thought, so that was good.
2: Now, when you were evaluating them, were you was that in a vacuum, or were you considering other, like, were all of the electric basics given more grace because Reggie Alecki VMAX exists and electric generator exists, or were you just looking at the card as it is printed? Um,
0: I, I'm going to go look at electric to, for an example. Um, I think that I really, I did try, I thought about it in terms of not in a vacuum, but like, where would this fit in? Um, because, okay. uh, some of them were kind of like a vacuum. Some of the ones that I just hadn't seen played, but like Maraiden, he acts as really good. I think it's, I think it's really good either way. Right. Like, I don't, I don't think there's a world where it's super bad, um but I definitely took in like electric generator as a factor. Like that card exists, so some of these electric cards are more viable currently. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not perfect in my evaluation of stuff for sure. Um it did make me jealous that you have two Toxicroak EX, uh, Ian. I yeah, did get I, jealous of that. I kind of need to figure out how to build a deck that makes it useful. Um Well, there's a muck in this set that the opponents do not recover from special conditions when they evolve or devolve. Oh, that's really cool. So there's a muck in this that it's, you know, stage one, but it actually stops them from recovering from your poison, um, which is really cool. And then um, uh, (laughs) there's also once during your turn, you can switch out your opponent's active Pokemon to the bench, which is, and they choose a new one, but it's like a half gust with this like Mastiff, dark dog that's pretty cool and then mm-hmm. there's a snake that does um 180 damage it's a one prize that does 180 damage if your opponent's pokemon is poisoned um so viper mess of that yeah so there actually is a couple of cards in this that sort of go well with the toxic Croak strategy and uh yeah and then you have uh king gambit which is like the poniard final evolution that just sits on the back line and increases all the damage your pokemon's do to active pokemon by 30 which is kind of cool too yeah um, i pulled
1: one of him too
2: yeah yeah i've pulled four of those and i've been trying to find some way to make it work but it's just too slow set setting up a stage two that sits in the back is very difficult yeah just because you know you're commit you have to commit a lot of resources in deck building to do that if you wanted to play like three Ponyard, two bisharp and three king gambit and then a couple of rare candies or even you know at minimum you're probably looking at six or nine cards depending on how many king gambits you think you need to math out on your board for it to be effective yeah and then that just takes away from a lot of other things i ended up looking at the deck that i I tried to build this last night actually and i ended up just eventually taking the king gambits out of the deck and being sad about it but realizing that i could be more efficient doing something else Mm. and it's weird i feel like it would be cool if there was a poniard that did something really powerful that could just be augmented with it.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. If there was like a poniard that had a special ability to let you do something, yeah. Right. Yeah, that would be cool. Well, listen, guys, we've been recording for an hour and 15 minutes. Curry had a busy day at work and he spent an hour and 15 minutes with us. So I appreciate that. Um he's still on that the, on that Microsoft Teams call right now. Um just no, no, that's
2: that's been done. Typing in <laughs> and chatting back. And
0: uh so we are gonna close out this episode. Thank you guys for listening. We are gonna talk Pokemon next week. Uh not exactly sure the full content. I honestly feel like we dug into this and we could have had a much longer conversation about this. So we might pick up a couple of things that we didn't get to talk about in next week's episode. And then wrap up with some final thoughts from me and DBN. We know Curry's going to keep playing this uh, after this month, but have a conversation with the DBN. We're going to keep playing it uh, beyond this month of recording. And uh, hope you're enjoying it, guys. Hope you're checking out the game. Let us know what you think. Oh, man, I had a final thought. Oh, I had a thought about that I never shared. I'm going to share it right now, and then we're going to go. My thought was this game is very unique in the fact that it is not free-to-play friendly, but it is not expensive which is the weirdest combination because you get given a bunch of decks beyond that. It's so hard to be free to play. It's very difficult to be free to play. Cause you don't get given enough resources, right. To open packs and do stuff, but it's not expensive because of the third market pack code system that allows you to buy huge chunks of packs for really cheap. I think that's a really interesting dynamic and we're not going to talk about it today, but let's talk about it next week. The not free to play friendly, but not expensive status of this game is so intriguing to me um but that's going to close up this episode thank you guys for being on the show and thank you guys who are listening for listening in be sure to check out our discord and our patreon page throw some support our way so we can keep doing this we appreciate you guys who are already doing that thanks for listening be sure to tune in again next week thanks for listening to this episode of legends cast you can join our podcast community by joining Discord using the link in the description of this episode. You can become a supporter of the show by visiting patreon.com slash camplegend. And don't forget to check out all of the other shows in the Camp Legend Podcast Network.